We continue our series on marriage and on family. And my title today is, I am single and more. And I'm excited to be ministering today on a subject that's talked about a lot, maybe not preached about a lot, but certainly in the context of where we're going as KTLCC, looking at every giant of society, looking at every area that pertains to our human living on earth. And this month, marriage and family is featuring as we launch the giant of marriage and family, as we launch the giant of what I term as belonging, because that's what family is about. So I'll tell you up front the direction of this message, and then I'll break it down and bring you back around to my points right at the end. I'm going to talk about the fact that you out there and in here who are single have purpose, that you belong, and that you have been set as part of family, not set apart from family. There's a big difference. I'm going to talk about the fact that everyone experiences being single at some point in their lives. So it's something that can be seasonal, as well as as for some, it can be permanent. Is there going to be any mention of romance and love, as today is um, Valentine's Day, the day the world would typically celebrate um, as a day for the, the romance type of love? Well, perhaps. But keep listening. So, Let me open up with my text for today, and that's going to be taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 17. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 17. Just one verse. I'll read from the ESV, and then I'll quote from the Amplified Bible, which is still currently my favorite version. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 17. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. Now, in the Amplified, it says, only let each one live the life which the Lord has assigned him and to which God has called him. For each person is unique and is accountable for his choices and conduct Let him walk in this way. This is the rule I make in all the churches. So in context of that chapter, chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is speaking about relationships. Paul is speaking about marriage. Paul is speaking about how to act, how to behave, how to conduct ourselves. And definitely at the beginning, he is giving the commands of Jesus Christ and the instructions that have been left on earth. But from verse 12 of that chapter, Paul is not declaring a thus saith the Lord, but he's giving his spirit-led suggestions on how to make living for Christ easier. And this is part of his discipling process 
of the saints. And we are a discipleship-making church, so we understand that that process is a time of learning, a time of growing, a time of becoming more and more Christ-like as we walk with Jesus. Now, on the earth, we have temporary positions in life, temporary positions in life. Every single thing we are in earth, every single thing we do is temporary. It's not eternal. In fact, the only eternal marriage is that we are called the bride of Christ. And one day we're going to meet our husbands. That's the only eternal marriage that will take place. So everything on earth, including marriage, is temporary. And far more that matters is the eternal position that we will have and that we have in Jesus Christ. Further down, Paul makes the point that where you were when you were born again, stay there. Opportunities for obedience, opportunities for service in the kingdom, for discipleship are right where you are. He, he has an emphasis that we need to work out the purpose of God and serving him where we're at. And in the ESV, the, the Bible helps. It clarifies a little bit more about this verse 17. God calls people to himself who are in various situations regarding economics. He mentions slavery and he mentions freedom. In, in, in regards to family, he mentions divorce and marriage, and religious background, where he talks particularly in their day about circumcision and uncircumcision. And often God has a purpose for the new believer in that very situation. So there's such an emphasis on when you were born again, stay there, where you were found, what walk were you, what ilk were you in society. Don't run away from it, but stay where you are. You'll find out why shortly. Uh, let me start off with a declaration about myself and let me see if you can relate to any of the things that I'm going to declare. I am single. I am a daughter. I am a sister. I am a niece. I am a cousin. I am a godmother. I'm a cell leader. I'm a pastor. I am a member of Kensington Temple, London City Church. I am a friend. I am a neighbour. I am a colleague. I am a child of God. I belong to a physical family. I belong to a church family. I belong in a number of different communities. So those of us and those of you out there who are single... Are we not more than single? Yes, because we are all of these other things. Somebody's brother, somebody's um, cousin, somebody's nephew. Single people are still a part of life. They're not apart from life and they're not apart from daily living. We still have jobs to go to, whether we're single or married. We still go to events and to parties and we're involved in activities in our communities just like somebody who's not single. In the kingdom of God, where we, 
who are in Kensington Temple and are part of this family. In the kingdom of God, we're part of the family of God. We belong. Many of us are part of friendship groups. You have groups of friends in church. You have groups of friends perhaps outside of the church. You're part of something, even if you are a single person. And oftentimes, we find friendships in the family of God, in our situation in Katie, in the cell. There was an incredible testimony at the 11 o'clock service, if you uh, go back and watch on Katie TV, where a lady is giving a testimony about a difficult time in her life. And yet, by joining a cell last year, she found not just help and support, but friendship. And she found it easy to open up her life and to receive prayer and receive support. And that was such a beautiful thing, to be part of a family in that way. Now, further back in in 1 Corinthians 7 and 17 and in the Amplified, it says, only let each one live. Let's just stop right there for a moment. Living means you're alive. Do something. Keep going. Be active. It says, live the life. That speaks of right now, where you are at. Don't wait around. Don't stop living. Don't put life on hold. Embrace and enjoy it. Let me read for you um, from John chapter 5 and verse 5. John chapter 5 and verse 5. And it says that a man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I was coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately, the man became well and picked up his pallet and he began to walk. I read that verse because I remember a time where Claudeth did not want to live life, where Claudeth put her life on hold. I was like the man by the pool of Bethesda, 38 years old. And he had sat by that pool for 38 years lame and unable to do or be anything. And I remember not really desiring that there was anything for me in life. I sat on my sofa on my 38th birthday And I complained to the Lord, just like this man did. I said, I'm 38. I'm in debt. I have nothing to look forward to. I'm not married. I've not had children. Blah, 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 blah. For the very first time in my Christian life, I heard what I would call such a shout that I would almost say it was audible. I can't declare or proclaim that it was. But it was so loud, the response from the Holy Spirit, I believe. 
He said, the man by the pool of Bethesda sat there for 38 years, and I told him to pick up his bed and walk. Now get up. That's what I heard from the Lord. I had put my life on hold. I didn't see being single as something to embrace. I saw it as something to wish that I didn't have. But from that day, I got up. From that day, I began to live life and enjoy life as a single person. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. Things happen over and over again. Nothing is new. Every day people are single. Every day people are getting married and meeting each other. Every day there's sickness. Every day there's reasons to pray. Every day people are getting up and going to work. Life turns on. Life turns on. There's nothing new. What changes is our mindsets about where we are. What changes is our mindsets, our attitudes about life and our outlook. So that is amazing that the Lord is declaring in, in that verse of 1 Corinthians, live the life that I have assigned to you. So there's a, a term there that says the Lord has assigned. Only let each one live the life which the Lord has assigned him and to which God has called him. So let's talk a little bit about purpose. The Lord has assigned things for our lives. We've been called for. Further in the ESV um, notes section, it says, in verse 17, it's the place to which God has called him. The Greek word is kaleo, kaleo. The idea of a life vocation as a calling is actually from this verse. So if you want to know what you're called to do and, and to be, begin to delve into these scriptures. For the connotation here is, there is a vocation that I have assigned to you. Whether you're married, whether you're single, I've assigned a vocation to you. Furthermore, um, Paul couples this word with the word assigned, and the Greek word is meritso, which can be translated deal out or apportion. So the Lord has apportioned or assigned a vocation for your life, a call for your life. And that's the meaning there. Live the life that I have assigned to you as your call, as your vocation. Not because you're single and not because you're married and not because you're of this profession and not because you're of that profession. Live the life that I have apportioned to you, that I've assigned to you, that vocation. I want to share for a few minutes from a blog that I was reading of a young lady called Bethany Beale. Bethany is speaking from the perspective of a young Christian lady. So we're hearing her heart in her personal situation. And, and let me just remind each of us as we think about our status in life and as I'm speaking today, I'm not speaking about every single person. Everybody's life is different. We're individuals and our situations are not the same, although they may sound the same. But let's hear from this Christian single lady and her perspective as she bore her heart. And let me just note to you that she is now a married lady. And her blog was entitled The Hardest Thing About Being a Single Christian Girl, a Christian Single Girl, The Hardest Thing. She said that God had completely 
a different story written for her life. The getting married young to my manly hunk was not in his plan. So there had been a concept in her mind of what she expected to happen and when. And she was going through some fretfulness for her future. She had lots of questions. What if I never get married? What if I remain single? What if? And, and she thought she'd be married by a certain age and it didn't happen. So she was wondering, well, what happens now kind of thing? I didn't get what I wanted to get when I thought that I should have it. She asked herself some questions about the singleness that she was going through. She asked herself, am I happy? And her answer was, absolutely, I'm happy. She asked herself, do I love my life? Well, for sure. Would I trade it? No way. So she was discovering that she was actually happy as a single person, not when she was looking out to try and be something that she was not yet. And she said that the hardest thing was the fear of the unknown future. And perhaps that's why people are fretful. Well, I don't know if it will ever be for me. And I don't know if I want to be single all of my life. So what happens if what I want doesn't happen? Let me tell you that she quotes again, I don't know what my future holds, but I do know who holds my future. Woo! Your love remains, we sang. If we're going to talk about love on Valentine's Day, we're talking about the love of Jesus Christ. She said, God is the only person I want in charge of my future. Single people out there, that's what we strive for, isn't it? That's what we should be aiming for, that we want God in charge of our future, no matter what it looks like. Bethany concludes, my life is happening right now. Remember again, live the life. Your life is happening right now. She says, the question is, what will you do with the time that God's given you? What will I do with these single years? She was asking that question. She said, have eternal purpose. I, Claudette, would say, no eternal purpose and serve God because, if, because it brings joy and it brings fulfillment. She had concluded that joy and fulfillment came from serving God, not from striving for things that she may have later on, or may not have. Back to 1 Corinthians 7, 17 again. So we've said only live the life which the Lord has assigned and that we're called to. And then in brackets it says, for each person is unique and is accountable for his choices and conduct. And here is where that blog was talking about purpose. We are unique. Each of us is different from the next person. But we're not separate from each other. We're not separate from life and society just because we live a life of singleness. We're free to make choices, but we will be accountable for them. Each person is unique, so live the life to which God has called you, but be accountable for the choices you make and the conduct that you take as you walk in his way, that scripture says. Now, I thought about being accountable for my conduct and being accountable for my walk and being accountable for the choices that I make as a single person. Um, one of the network pastors, Pastor Camilla Davis, there in Slough, uh, when I was working closely with her, she used to say, 
you're accountable to God for your actions, you know. And she would always say it at times when we were angry, disappointed, upset, at times when we were making excuses for our behavior and the choices we made. We didn't like it. Notice I used the word we as the network church she was ministering to, but I didn't like it. Um, But I get it now. I can make being single an excuse to let my life pass me by instead of choosing to live as the Lord guides and leads. What about you? Is it an excuse if you are a single person at the moment? I have to say that it is talking about finding a love that satisfies. You would have heard teachings about the love that you'd have for a brother or sister called filio. You'll know about, of course, eros, the romantic love that so many people make today about. But those things are temporary. They can chop and change. They're not eternal. They're good to have. We're going to discover in a minute. They're God-given. There's no issue about whether or not to desire marriage and to desire these things. So, but like anything in life, like in marriage, like in a job, like in, in, in your ministry or your call, like in a life of singleness, there are pros and cons. There are fours and against. And I wanted to just go through quickly some of those things. First of all, the things that look like it's not great to be single. Here are some of the things that a single person might complain about. I'm always the babysitter. They put on me because they think I've got nothing else to do. I don't get invited or I don't like going out if I don't have a plus one because I don't feel like I'm part, I'm normal. I'll never be emotionally fulfilled or satisfied without being married. Oh, that's such a lie. Satisfaction comes in Christ Jesus, in unconditional love that says you are accepted. No matter what, you are accepted. Last one. I never have time for myself. I put my hand up there. Oftentimes, the single person is so busy running around looking after everybody else that we forget to care for ourselves. We've been having an amazing time as staff looking um, under the leadership of our senior minister at self-care. And it's been a, a beautiful journey to remind ourselves of how we all should be looking after ourselves, especially spiritually. And maybe that's a danger um, that single people have of forgetting to care for themselves. But let's look at the positives and let's look at some other considerations as well. So there's a great book. Many of you hopefully will know this book called Staying Pure uh, by our senior minister, Colin Dye. Well, this book has an amazing chapter in it, chapter seven, called Honouring God's Gift of Singleness. Uh, Singleness, therefore, it's a gift. It's not a curse. Um, And in fact, Colin says it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. This life can be lived out supernaturally. Singleness can be lived out supernaturally. Um, And it's for the greater service of the kingdom of God. But don't panic, those of you 
who are out there and you're looking and you're hoping for marriage. As Colin points out in the book, most of us, for most of us, marriage is the norm. It's for the majority of us. It's also clearly designed by God. And you'll hear more about the marriage aspect of family next week if you tune into the 2.30 service. And we see that in the creation story. It's clearly designed by God. Marriage is also a gift of God, as well as singleness. But there are some who are called to a life of singleness and celibacy. And if it's you, you already know about it. You have no desire. or you have given up your desire for marriage. The book also acknowledges that we all have seasons of singleness in our lives. And I think that's so key to understand that we go through seasons of it, that we need the supernatural gift of singleness until we do marry. This is also true for after a marriage has ended because of divorce, because of bereavement. So somebody's widowed. That means they suddenly are catapulted back into a single life. It becomes time for people in such a situation to embrace this supernatural gift of singleness as you learn from your loss, from your breakup, to live a new way. Also, what about those who are single parents? There are fathers out there bringing up their children. There are mothers out there bringing up their children alone. How much more you need to understand and accept and receive the supernatural gift of singleness that that could be at the centre to lift and sustain you as you bring your children up, as you're guided by God. If I was going to think of some examples, I was really looking for an example of a male um, person, but I couldn't think or, or research any, but I thought about Catherine Kuhlman. Many of you would know about her, what happened to her life after she divorced and the ministry that the Lord had given her, and she was able to live for him. She didn't stop dead because, you know, her marriage had ended. More recently, if you read the story of a lady who has preached here, Teresa Warimu, and what took place as her marriage broke up, and her ministry in her life now is so effective and so powerful on earth. And I'm saying those things and using them to say the key thing is to use the season of singleness that you might find yourself in positively. Live the life that God has called you to. Whatever scenario you're in, it's not a time to give up on life. God has purpose. God has plans for you in your singleness, no matter the reason for it. I have some key points jotted down here in in embracing the singleness season as as I round up today. I want to encourage you. If you're in a season of singleness, or if you're in the permanency of singleness, be intentional about your single life. Make it count. The desire for marriage and romance is good, but it cannot be your preoccupation. You've got to live life. Don't allow the desire to become your purpose in life. That then becomes an idol. You don't think about being anything, doing anything, because you're looking for this life partner all the time, and you're not living. Start up that business you dreamt of. 
Go and do those benevolent works that you've always wanted to do. Travel when we're allowed to again. See some things that you may not be able to see if you're married and busy doing the precious work of looking after a family. Don't try to go ahead of God and make something happen. How many times in in our scenarios of life we've done this and we've messed up when we try to put things into our own hands and it goes drastically wrong. Don't run ahead of God. There's something about being patient. Neither be someone who conforms to the timings of man, to their opinions for your lives. You should be here by now. You should have done this by now. We conform to God's plan and will for our lives, not man's. God gives you purpose in life, as we've learned here. There's vocation, there's calling, not man. Being single doesn't equate to being alone. I can testify to that. I'm not ashamed to say I'm in my 50s. I could tell you lots of personal things about myself. I could tell you what my dreams are, what my aspirations are. But one thing I will tell you, because there's no time today, I have never, ever been unhappy as a single person once I set my eyes on the Lord Jesus. I never, ever suffer from being alone and I never suffer from loneliness. In fact, if I have any complaint in life, I'm too busy. I want to slow down a little bit. Become active in an area that you never have before if you think that your life is drifting. How can we ever declare that we're alone when Jesus Christ and his presence and his Holy Spirit is always with us? As promised, we've got to be intentional about our single life. Make sure that God is at the centre. Trust him to show you how to walk, how to live and how to enjoy life. Remember that we're blessed to be part of a vibrant church where we can be involved with the rest of the family of God. There's a place for you. Uh, what, What you're doing adds value to life, to the life of the church, to the life of the communities that we're in, to your own life. Everyone's experience of family is different. Some actually have no earthly family to speak of. So we're not taking for granted those of us that are part of families. Others are naturally private or loners, and yet there's still a place for each of us in the kingdom of God. We need to occupy until he comes. So I would say if you're looking for love, look for the love that satisfies first of all. Matthew 6, 33 encourages us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It says all these things, the things that we dream, desire of, are looking for, will be added if we keep our eyes on him, if we keep looking to Jesus Christ. As I close, I would desire that all who wish to be married, marry. Because another thing is that it it would be a voice in society. There's hundreds and hundreds of us get married that says marriage is God's plan and intention. And there are agendas out there that want to destroy that. Let me conclude by saying what I am. I've got a few more I ams. I am included in the family of God. I am inclusive 
I don't stay by myself because I'm single. I get involved. I include myself in activities and in life. I am wanted. I am active. I am needed. I'm not defined by my status as a single or a married person, but by God's definition of me and by his purpose for my life. And finally, if you want to make a difference today, you want to add value to those who are single, why not join? Why not get involved in the giant of marriage and family? What could you as a single person bring to other single people in this giant of marriage and family? What could you bring into the lives of those who are married? What can you bring into the lives of children? What can you bring as a single person? Why not try and get involved? Contact us at Kensington Temple and say, I would like to be involved. As I close, I want to pray for um, two categories of people. But the final I am, I want to say to you is, you are loved. Here is a rose, virtual, though it may be, from me. Happy Valentine's Day.